Welcome to another episode of Pangea, the podcast about global ideas. I'm Jacqueline Schiff. Woman in global health is the topic of my conversation today. I spoke with Rupa Dutt and Katie Jackson, two of the co-founders of a new movement to promote woman leadership in global health. You can learn more about them on the web. They're at womaningh.org. So both uh, Rupa and Katie and their fellow co-founders have incredible resumes, um, but I will just give you a few of the highlights so you get a flavor for who they are. So Rupa is a physician in training and is completing her internal medicine residency with an international health track at Case Western in Cleveland. Additionally, she is the founder of New Voices in Global Health, the first multidisciplinary pre-world health assembly specifically for youth. Uh, now, Katie Jackson, my other guest, some of you might recognize her voice um, from This Week in Global Health, where she regularly uh, contributes career development advice. Katie also heads up the Canadian Society for International Health's MentorNet Global Health Mentorship Program and organizes the one-of-a-kind annual Global Health Student and Young Professional Summit in Canada. I was able to catch up with both of them here in Chicago. Um, they were in town for the American Public Health Associ Association annual meeting. And before I play you our conversation, just um, a, a note, you might hear some coughing in the background in the beginning parts of the interview. Um, please excuse me. I had a bit of a dry throat when we started speaking, but I don't think it interferes with the, with the overall quality. So uh, without further ado, um, give our, our conversation a listen, and I hope you will learn as much as I did about the vision, um, where they are so far, and uh, what is to come. Let's start. Why don't you guys just tell me a little about your, I mean, I will um, definitely introduce you and whatever yeah. before, but tell me in your own words um, a little about your backgrounds, what you do. So my background, I am currently a physician in, okay. in training. And, and your name is? Oh, okay. <laughs> I should back up. So <laughs> my, uh, my name is Rupa Dodd. I am currently a physician in training. I uh, come from more of a traditional background to global health. Okay. Uh, currently a international health resident within the internal medicine track at Case Western Reserve University. Mm -hmm. um, I got involved in global health as a student uh, during my medical student years, just really wanted to work in low-resource settings, and um, working in Philadelphia was one component of it, but intrigued by the global community. Uh, did my first trip in rural Tanzania, and from then I've been really hooked on working in low-resource settings, but realized that beyond just working in a low-resource setting are larger actors and got involved in global health policy work. Uh, from there, I got involved in an organization called the International Federation of Medical Student Associations. Um, it's the largest uh, student organization, has been around for over 62 years, has over 120 um, country presence, member states. It's a very extensive network, and through that I was introduced to a lot of different health systems, uh, 
also global health priorities, uh, led campaigns on climate change, social determinants of health. Um, and through that, my whole passion for global health really just became a core part of who I am. Uh, and a part of being in that movement um, part within the International Federation, the student component of it, mm-hmm. I noticed that being a woman, uh, just didn't see as many women leaders visible on stage. We would go to conferences, and on one side I was wearing the token hat of being the youth, uh, so that was <laughs> one aspect. And then the second part also being uh, a woman on stage as well, and just sort sure. of... You know, well, and, and let's definitely get more yeah. into that later. But And so, of course, you were president of that group last yeah. year. Um, so I was uh, president in 2012 to 2013. Okay. And then I graduated and continued my formal training in, um, in the international health track. Cool. And so that's my background into global health. Nice. Okay. And well, Katie, what about you? Full name. So my name is official. Katie Jackson. Yeah. Uh, and I'm originally from Canada, but I live in Stockholm, Sweden now. Um I'm working as a consultant for my own uh, company, um, and I work as director of European Engagement for Child Family Health International, which is uh, an NGO focusing on global health education abroad in low-resource settings. Um, my background is I have a health science degree, which means I can I know a lot about health, but I can't touch anybody or give any advice, and I did a minor in global studies, and so I kind of already had that exposure to global health. Um, I did a master's of global health in Stockholm at the Karolinska Institute. Um, and I specialize in student, young professional development. I'm on TWIG as a panelist, and career development uh, is really, uh, and, and education is a really big passion of mine within global health. Uh, I think it's really sure. important to have everyone involved in, in those processes. Sure. Um, so let's kind of get to uh, women in global health. Um, is that what it's women in global health, yeah. not women leaders in global Okay. Um, so how how did you guys start? Um, you have really nice website. Um, I'll say that good information and everything. <laughs> nice job. Very nice <laughs> um, so yeah, and obviously, so you two are two of the co-founders, mm-hmm. and then there's another two that mm-hmm. weren't able to join us. Yes. So just yeah, give me the backstory. Yeah. So uh, it, I think the, going back to a little bit what I had already sort of uh, alluded to is that all of us in our own. Um, journeys in global health were asking and thinking about the same same types of things. Like, you know, we go to a lot of these global health conferences and we're not seeing mm-hmm. women on stage. Um, I had the uh, privilege of being able to be part of some of the global health uh, policy dialogues. And again, women were often missing in equal representation mm-hmm. on um, roundtable discussions. So that's sort of just, there was an idea just floating around for some time. And then uh, Alona Cake Bush launched a campaign on Twitter called WGH, started off as 100, and it was uh, so popular it became two, and now it's really known as hashtag WGH300. And that really helped bring all of us closer together. Uh, Katie and Chris uh, Ronson, who is part of our team as well, were at a global health conference. Yeah, we were at the CUGH conference um, this past March. Um, And Chris Ronson, obviously, of of This Week in Global Health as well. We were there together, had already had previous communication with Rupa about This Week in Global Health. And uh, Rupa was familiar with uh, Desiree Lichtenstein from Sweden, um, who is involved in IFMSA with gender relations. So we just kind of were tweeting about the all-male panels, which is another hashtag that's <coughs> circulating. 
saying, you know, where is the where are the women? And um, we had some great inspirational speakers that were on stage who had said that, who had said, you know, as the woman on the panel, I'm going to take my time and I'm going to de- be demanding because I ha- I can. Um, so we just kind of connected through Twitter, which I thought was really great to show the global scale of things. Yeah, and I think when they were tweeting about it, and I, the conference was in D.C., right? No, I, in Boston. Oh, in Boston. Okay, so I know it was somewhere in the Northeast. <laughs> I was uh, at that point at another um, event in the other side of the world in Asia, so I was waking up to all this activity on Twitter, and I was like, wow, some there are other uh, young women that are thinking about this, and so let's connect. And it really just started with get a conversation started. We decided to get on Skype, see if her values aligned. I've um, known Desiree for some time, and she's um, always brought the gender lens to her work and introduced me to that, so I wanted to bring her into the conversation. Four of us got on a call and then just kept having calls, and from there um, we decided to take our conversation to more action-oriented our initial vision was to have a summit called a Women in Global Health Summit mm. with focusing on raising awareness about the issue and capacity building in hopes that that would build momentum. We took the dialogue to the World Health Assembly, the last one, the 68th in Geneva that the World Health Organization hosts, mm-hmm. and started talking to people we knew, um, other young global leaders, um, mentors, colleagues, people we didn't know that we engaged with, and Everyone was so excited. They said, no, don't do a conference. Don't just do one event. This has to be something yeah. bigger. And I then everyone was like... I think I think what happened is that we wanted to do an, an event. Like, let's do a conference and yeah. let's teach women how to, you know, leadership skills and start the conversation. And then it just kind of took off. And suddenly, we I think we both looked at each other. Uh, Rupa and I were the ones attending at the World Health Assembly. And we're like, I think we just started a movement. Um, and so basically what happens is that everybody is so excited and the climate right now is just so ripe for this and they just want some group and some people to do this and there's so much support Um, and I think there was just never a group of women that got together that made it happen but every female we talk to in leadership position we have their full support they're super excited and they're like we need this let me know what you need and it's just incredible yeah and definitely and even um you know, men that we were engaging Mm -hmm. with at the World Health Assembly were like, this is fantastic. We, you know, this needs to be done too. So one of the ways we decided to engage with people is we surveyed how many of the chief delegates, Mm -hmm. um, which is basically the position um, that's heading a delegation to the World Health Assembly representing countries, uh, were headed by women. So we, they're all, it's public data, so you can Google people and figure sure, out sure. what uh, the sex ratio is. And so we would have everyone guess, and I'm going to actually, you might already know the answer, because <laughs> if you've seen our website, but how many, yeah, what's I, the percentage? Um, that That's women? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I would think 40%. Okay, mm-hmm. that's great. So, uh, and I'm really glad that you said that, that number, because uh, the number is actually 23%. But what was really interesting to us is that um, women that have been in the field in global health, um, especially for 10 years or more, um, and the more senior, we're guessing numbers around 5 to 10% of representation. And um, women that were in the field just for five years or less or just 
getting introduced to global health, they were guessing numbers of 40%. And um, the men that we asked the same same question were uh, were on point for the most part. They knew it was like 20% to 25%. Um, and uh, so it was really interesting that even with that simple engagement, just uh, we notice that there's much more to this conversation, a lot more layers that we need to dissect. And we decided from that point that this is also just not about young women coming into mm-hmm. the global health field, but it's about every woman in global health at every stage of their career. And we really um, approach our work through a life course approach. I think it's really important. Visibility has been um, some word that has come up often that we think is really important to focus on, one of our action plans. Um, There was something circulating around Reddit and Twitter recently about um, this little girl who uh, had a mother who was a senator, a U.S. senator, and uh, she said, oh, can can boys become senators too? Because she'd never seen a role model. So that, I think, is an incredible quote, and I can provide that for you if you want, to show what role models do in a society. So if I don't see a spot for women at a table... Do I think that there are spots for women? I don't because the power of a role model is so strong. So what we really want to do is there are great role models out there. We're not saying that there aren't female leaders in global health. We're saying that there's not enough visibility of the female leaders in global health. So young women and women in middle management who or even older women who want to progress their career, like they do not think that there is space for them because they can't see it. So I think that's a really good um, kind of action plan that we're working on is to build this idea of let's show the role models, let's give them more space, let's give them a bigger stage. Definitely. Uh, I mean, to be perfectly honest, this was an issue I ran into um, with uh, the virtual conference that I just put together, the Huddle for Global Change. Mm -hmm. Um, And I only had, so there were um, seven different speakers and only one of them was a woman. Mm -hmm. And I knew going into it that, and so let me also just say it's not global health specific, but still, you know, in, yeah. in kind of the global development yes. space, the broader yes. space, I mean, um, there, there are a lot of women. And honestly, I mean, it came down to time constraints and resources. Um, but what I found, just to kind of throw it out there, and I'd love both of your reactions, so I, I knew this was an issue. And, I mean, something I'm conscious of, so I did not want to perpetuate it. Um, and I reached out to a few people, and I was like, you know, I need more women. Can you suggest someone? And, like, people just came up, you know, with nothing. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so, you know, and, and I just kind of think as a, as a person organizing this, what can I do better next time? How can I ensure, um, and obviously I think starting earlier and whatever, but, you know, why, why do you think these situations arise? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's, that's actually a reality that even, even we're holding a panel um, with the Global Health Council, and our panel is focused on pri- primarily uh, talking about investing in, in women leadership. And, and you're saying you're holding a panel. We're, we're now talking in Chicago right. at the American Public Health Association annual conference. Yes, yes. So this is a different conversation that's going to be uh, linked to uh, Global Health Council is one of our partners, and they are launching an initiative. Um, we're launching it together called Women Leaders in Global Health Initiative. And that initiative specifically focuses on increasing the visibility and recognition of women leaders in global health. Um, Whereas the movement is about bringing the values of gender equity lens. And and the initiative is going to be really emphasizing that particular aspect of um, how do we make women more visible? How do we recognize their efforts? Um, And additionally, 
especially for conferences, what are the strategies we can uh, use? Uh, and there's amazing. actually, uh, and it's actually when we started doing our uh, work, a lot of other groups in other sectors are having the same challenges yes, yes. and are working on, on this. So we feel that the global health sector, um, one, is an example that co- collaborates across many other sectors. It's a field that yes. it's not just uh, one sector, but a lot of sectors That's impact health. Absolutely. That we have an opportunity to really um, serve as a role model. And uh, some of the examples that we've picked up from research that we've seen online is um, just including women in the scientific planning committee can have a huge impact. Women mm-hmm. are more likely to know other women in the field. And it's actually, yes. it's surprising. A lot of these scientific committees don't even have women, or if they do, they might only have one out of 10 members. That's, you know, a woman. So simple act like that. Um, other things that people have said that the constraints that women um, face, mm-hmm. oftentimes um there are so uh, few that are known mm-hmm. that they're in greater demand. Yeah. Uh, and then oftentimes, if they're also serving the caretaker role, uh, conferences don't provide daycare or they don't provide oh. additional support for leaving children at home or their family members. So these are things that that's actually research come. There's a group called uh, Gender Avenger, which uh, has looked into this and made um, – Five That's different a really recommendations. Cool name, by the way. They're, they're <laughs> really cool people. <laughs> yeah, they're fantastic. You can actually, for any conference that falls in the uh, the field of health, mm-hmm. you can submit the ratios to them of um, yeah. speaker ratios, and they will publish it and spread it around. So mm-hmm. you don't have to feel like you're the one actually yeah. being that vo- person voicing it out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think, and I think the one of the biggest things that we're trying to do is just kind of. Um, increase this conversation about women in global health in leadership positions so that when it comes time to a conference planning committee or a conference planner that you can look up and we'd love to be able to, you know, probably with a partner because I don't know if we have enough resources to put together this list of, you know, here's like, here's a a subject or here's a, a, um, a category you'd like to speak about. But I think Ruba was really right in saying that, you know, having more women involved in the planning Women build their own female networks, just like men build their own male networks. And and building on that um, part that Katie's saying is that we see that we can do a lot more in this mm-hmm. area, like yes. building the women in Global Health Network, women that are participating in this field. Um, they can be mentors, so we want to uh, not this early in the stage, but our, um, we would like to, especially in our, a later phase of our work, be able to create mentorship, uh, peer-to-peer mentorship, but also uh, mentorship to people that are closer to the next stage that people are going, um, aspiring to be, because we feel like that's one way to definitely have more of a lasting impact mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to women leadership and global health. Yeah. So I, I want to get back to um, the initiative you're launching with the yes. Global Health Council. But first, um, I'm, I'm sure you both are, like, you know, familiar with um, there's been this big sort of national, even international conversation about, um, you know, women in the workplace. So Lean In and Anne-Marie Slaughter has yeah. written, you know, wrote the article for The Atlantic. And um, I recently saw um, uh, Milan Verbeer, I'm probably saying her name wrong, Um, you know, the U.S. Global Women's Ambassador speak, and she came out with a book. So to what extent do you feel like, um, you know, women in global health is connected to that? Like, what is the sort of broader relationship? 
I think, so it's been really interesting. We've had a lot of conversations at the other events we've attended, and we've had discussions coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had someone who I think is the... Favia, what is, where is she? Favia, she... Um, I'm not Head sure. Of, she's from somewhere from um, Southern Africa. I don't remember which, which country she's from, though. She's the World Medical Association. What, what does she represent? She's the president of... I um, I actually don't recall. No, okay. Yeah. So we had, we, had, we had a partner involved um, that said, you know, we are African women. We have different demands, and mm. we have a different lifestyle. So yep. there's an idea of bringing everyone together and coming with, you know, cross-sector and cross-generational ideas and concepts. But at the end of the day, yeah, women are different, and women and men are different. So I think that, um, just so you have it for your thing. Yeah, so I actually pull, I just, uh, and that's the great thing about technology, you can just pull your phone out. That's so. true. <laughs> There's no reason to ever forget anything. No. Yeah, right. so uh, Dr. Uh, Flavia Senkubuge, I'm probably butchering that, I'm sorry, Flavia. Uh, she's a medical doctor and also a specialist in public health medicine, and she's the vice president of the African Federation of Public Health Associations. Yeah. And she really brought what Katie was talking about, was that, importance of really uh, looking at the diversity of this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, there's different challenges in regions, certain countries, and even the broad spectrum. Medicine faces a different challenge than uh, some components of global health. So mm-hmm. we and, and in general, I think global health faces the same problems other sectors do. What we are mm-hmm. uh, what we are we, we are finding is that other sectors have already started this. You know, there's a women in business. There's a women in technology. There's women who code to encourage more people to yep. you know to get involved. There's women in STEM, science, technology, engineering. Math. Math. There yeah. we go. Yes. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think that's what it's for. There we go. Yeah. So, so basically what we're saying is like this has already started and this conversation has started across yeah. the board. And right, right. for it not to have happened in the global health community where there's perhaps more strains on, you know, working internationally or having relationships internationally or having kids with you while you're doing these things might even be right. a stronger yeah. strain. So we're just hoping that we are the conversation in this field because it's already going on elsewhere and we need to partner with those sectors as well. And and there's something unique about our, our, you know, it's sort of like the elephant in the room. There's 75% of the global health workforce are women. Any global health conference you go to, the room is full of women. So why is it that when you look at the stage, all of a sudden we're like, who is drafting all those reports? Who's probably drafting all the speaking points for the speakers on stage, you know, like all that part of it. And then even the second part of it, and I think that's even has more um, impact, is we're talking in society about how important it is to invest in girls and women's health. Uh, the World Bank had investing in women um, yep. just recently come out, and a big component of that was dedicated to health. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's other reports that say that um, investing in women and girls has greater return on investment for development. Uh, all these aspects, but when we talk about women's health issues, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how effective are we if they're not part of that top-level discussion or that mm-hmm. visible discussion yeah. where things are being... Uh, determined in in a closed room somewhere so you know that's so in health I think it's even more pervasive and the challenges that women's health is facing these days women have to be a part of the conversation at every level if we really want to achieve equity and global health at all levels Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing just to put in a visual sense is you know there's going to be a call soon to get more men and more boys involved in the health-related field because right now it's overrun. Like public health schools are overrun by women. But what is it about wow. this? What is it about the audience, the stage? Where? What is the barriers? Because technically, it's a small space. It's a step up. It's you know if we think about it in a physicalness. Literally, but there is yeah. something about this glass ceiling between the audience and the stage that yeah. something happens, and we don't know what happens, and we want to figure it out. And we want to get over it because 
Because otherwise, it should be representative. It should be, if there's 75% females in the field, there should be 75% of females on the stage, and it just doesn't happen. Well, and let me toss that open to you. What what are your personal feelings about why it is this way? And, you know, I, I realize it's a broader question mm-hmm. and whatever, but just kind of from what from women you've met, from people you've talked to, conversations you've had, what's your personal feeling? I, have, I think some of it is a bit... Um, like an older older idea. So I think that, you know, generally global health, especially in North America, so I did my thesis on uh, all the master's programs of global health in the world. Uh, and there's not that many in the States, actually, because global health is actually coming from the medical field. So the medical field alone has already a dichotomy between doctors who are more men and nurses who are more women. Mm. So I think that has translated into global health in general, so that men are seen as the, the ones that make the statements to the women who are the nurses. Okay. So I think, I think it's an old an old concept, an old generational thing that we're dealing with. And I think it's because it came from the medical field. If global health had come from the nursing field, I think this would be a completely different ballgame. Um, but from the educational point of view, you know, seeing as North America is quite a leader in global health, in literature and in programmatic uh, programs and funding, I think that's translated over. Rupa, what about you? So I think it, that... I haven't been able to find the answer about what's unique to global health. So I like Katie's response about the medicalization of global mm-hmm. health as being the origin. But I think the more broader social aspect of it is that when you Google the word leader, you're going to see men. <laughs> and and when we um, want to have a public dialogue, we want leaders on stage. And so there's mm-hmm. this cons- there's this already this notion that is ingrained um, even before we're born, probably, we're getting uh, socialized into placing men into leadership role position. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's this argument that this is going to change um, through generations. I think that it is changing, but maybe not at a fast enough rate. Uh, but that's probably why every sector across the board, even a sector where women are the majority and have been the majority for a good 20 years, we still are struggling to break that 20%. Yeah, and, and I would add to that, I, I think it will change over generations, but I don't think it'll change without work. And, and, and we've had that response saying like, well, you know, when all those women that are in the classes, they'll eventually go up to the leadership position. I agree, but I don't think it'll happen without someone saying, hey, you have to pay attention to this. Mm-hmm. I think it will to some extent, but it won't reach equality without work. Yeah. And, and going back to that medicine example, there's um, some groups actually looking at uh, the technical training mm-hmm. of uh, healthcare workers and physicians and they actually are noticing that the women in this field have more technical expertise. But if you go to a country like India, you have a health workforce um, that's like 90%, 95% women, especially um, the healthcare workers, so separating the physicians out from that. But the people that are heading all the committees in the regional or the national representation are all men, and they often have less even expertise. So I think that this idea that numbers will, um, by increasing numbers, the change will happen, global health and the health sector demonstrates that's not the case. And that's why action is really needed on it. And there are ways to go ahead and start looking at Mm -hmm. your own work as an individual and as an organization about a gender lens. Uh, 
uh, Desri, who um, is our gender uh, specialist, um, talks often about, okay, one simple thing that you can do is when you're having a conference or meeting, are you making sure that the women in your organization have access to make it to this meeting or part of the conversation? Um, secondly, I went to an investment um, event that talked about gender as well, and there's a whole group saying, if we just look at how we're in, um, distributing our resources and funds and investing, and, and a lot of global health is development work, and there's so much money that goes into this, are we actually looking at, are we giving this money to women-led organizations or initiatives that um, are uh, focusing on women's um, health aspects too? Are, are we breaking down and putting that gender lens um, in that aspect? There's also a campaign where women are, um, and I think men as well, are signing up to not be on a panel that is completely men, that is more gender equal. So things like that. So, you know, the He for She campaign is a great campaign that's bringing this recognition to to come from the male perspective. Um, we, all, we want all genders involved in this equity movement because at the same time we know if we do get 50-50 on a leadership level, then we deal with the classroom level and the fact that there are you know, not enough men nurses. So, so this is never going to be just a female issue. This is for everybody. And we think that making things more gender equitable and global health, going back to the movement concept of it, um, is really a benefit to everyone. And um, especially men as well. Uh, we've had some colleagues that have joined the conversation. We we tend to hold these informal dialogues at global events that we go to. Sometimes they're planned, sometimes they're not. We just say, let's just have this spontaneous mm-hmm. conversation because people are excited to hear about us and we're not on an official space. And uh, one, um, one man came up to us and he was talking about how he made career choices to actually spend more time um, with his children and how that culture is starting to change. He's from the Netherlands, um, not giving his identity away, but uh, he, he talked about that even in a, a country like Netherlands uh, where they are, have more dialogue of men taking on um, the caretaker role more, that it was a bit of a challenge. And that once we deconstruct um, what uh, gender equity and global health leadership means, and I think just across the board in our field, it's actually going to be more empowering for men and women to just be themselves and reach their maximum potential um, in their work and accordingly their organizations so forth. Yeah. Well, so on that, let's talk a little about uh, this initiative that you're launching with the Global Health Council. Um, it seems to follow pretty naturally from what we're talking about. Yeah. So, so when does that launch, and um, what's what's kind of the goal, and how did you start working with the Global Health Council? Okay, great. Uh, so our uh, initiative launch is actually going to be on November 19th um, in D.C., and everyone's invited. Uh, it's at the Global Health uh, Council Landscape Symposium. It's an annual event that they host. Um, at that uh, particular session, we are going to be talking about uh, specifically what more can we do to promote women leadership mm-hmm. and is promoting um, enough or do we need to have much more uh, institutionalized practices or what are other efforts that we can or are already doing. And so there's the panel is going to be composed of really bringing the different actors in global health perspective, what the private sector does, mm-hmm. what um, intergovernmental agencies, um, bringing initiative perspective from uh, 
Desi will be in that panel bringing what young um, leaders can do, but also how we can go across the board and having a governmental. So we really were trying to start the dialogue um, mm -hmm. at that mm -hmm. launch. But the initiative initially is seen more as so the Women in Global Health became a movement and we're kind of a, a freestanding entity at the moment. Um, but the initiative is definitely something that um, the director, executive director of Global Health Council, Christine So, really saw you know, the need for actionable items. So this is kind of focusing on advocacy and on mentorship, on the life lifespan idea of leadership. Um, you know, again, we're dealing with a lot of concepts, uh, a lot of abstract concepts here. Like, yeah. what is leadership? What does leadership mean? You know, what does gender equity mean and things like this? <laughs> so it's really hard to make it actionable. So we're focusing on on making things a little bit more concrete than the movement would be. Um, so that's kind of what the initiative is looking for. Uh, and Christine uh, So is a great supporter of that. Um, and the Global Health Council is a great yeah. avenue for this. And, mm -hmm. and the way that it, our relationship actually started with Global Health Council is, uh, and I think the theme is just conversation. So uh, we happened um, to be at the same event in D.C., uh, the Measurement for Summit event, which is a big movement um, uh, within the global health, but also the broader development to bring data and research. So that's where the Global Health Council was attending, and they were talking a lot about um, social accountability and uh, just they felt, they seemed like a good organization for us to go ahead and approach and say, hey, we're working on this. Um, they're an umbrella organization that 200 other groups are part of. Mm -hmm. So we felt like that would be a good um, good partner for us to talk to and uh, both Christine and Danielle a member of their team were just so approachable and like initially it was supposed to be like a 10-15 minute conversation we talked for like an hour and a half and and uh, Christine has been in the global health field for a long time and uh, had a lot of stories and experiences and just um, added another layer and uh, perspective especially about what might be the challenges that mid-career senior career women are facing in global health and from one conversation to another conversation, at one point we're like, you know, we our values really align on this, and let's work together. And we feel very motivated and wanted to do something tangible. And the Global um, Health Council has um, the base for us to be able to create a very tangible focus initiative that really is striving to achieve um, equal representation of men and women um, at the global health leadership level. Mm -hmm. And... Um Women in Global Health, your, the movement, the mm -hmm. organization, does it have a formal organizational structure? Are you guys, I mean, also, I guess, blindly, like, are you guys funded? Are you looking for funding? Yeah. So uh, that's a great question. Because we, we just did a, a talk about this at the World Health Summit. Uh, we talked about young leaderships and, like, leadership structures. Yeah, so uh, it's a, it's actually really great because we're evolving constantly, but one of the core values... That's tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow. That's what that means. Well, Six from months from now. Yeah. Uh, so we have a couple... I think we're more principle-based as a group. So mm -hmm. the, our leadership structure, we describe it as, like, a flat leadership model. Okay. Um, so we focus um, on creating certain clusters. Mm -hmm. um, so there are some clusters that are... Per, uh, program-based, so the, uh, there's one which is gender-based and another that's research and data. I won't go through the whole structure because there is that. The, and then there is a more operational side to it where we have the, okay. the things such as the finance and operation, communications, membership. Um, and the idea is that everyone's work in clusters integrates in different points, but the way that we work is um, as long as we are striving toward our vision 
um, and using the approach of our mission, then everything kind of goes. Uh, and that's sort of how we're approaching it. As far as are we a entity that's registered? No, but it is something that we are planning to do. We realize that staying virtual and calling ourselves a no. entity has a challenge of uh, financing and the reality is that we need to be financed and to be able to finance um we realize we have to register um yeah i think for the longest time i think this is coming up now as we sat down and had a work plan it's we've only been around for since april since april but i think we we really like the idea of being a movement and i think we all four of us as the founding members let's say really take that hat off as the founding member and we we wouldn't really just want to involve everybody in the conversation so i think Mm -hmm. it's we've had a bit of a uh, not a struggle, but we've been a little resistant to being a formal entity in that mind because we want to be a movement for everyone. This isn't just like four girls over here are going to sit in a room and decide everything. No, we yeah. want this to be an everyone conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's come around, and, and like Rupa said, you know, we do have to be formalized. We do need to be a structure yeah. for funders, and we do need to gauge those conversations. Yeah. Um, but we still want to seem like you know, very approachable very and accessible. And uh, one of the concepts that we have is when we talk about membership is we want people to bring this dialogue um, into their commu- local communities, mm-hmm. um, into their organizations, and one way of engagement. And the, the wording is still to come, but we're so far calling them like global champions. So they would go through um, some uh, modules that we are uh, partnering with some different groups on, mm-hmm. on how to uh, approach their work through a gender lens. Um, and then we would provide them the toolkits that we're coming up with so they could hold that local dialogue within their communities. So big aspect, even though we're, you know, global is in our, our name, we want to reach um, yeah. local work because that's where the reality yeah. is. We're, we're global in our team. I think we're two in Sweden, yeah. the U.K., Spain, no, Portugal, uh, Another in yeah. Denmark and states and Ukraine. So, like, this is our team. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And it's expanding, and we are have many people from a lot of the other regions of the world that want to get involved. And so that's where we felt that a great way to have that engagement and really, and again, going back to our values of movement, we want this conversation to actually have an impact and to do that um, beginning it locally um, is very meaningful and actually results in the change that we want. So who are some of the women leaders in global health that you two personally look up to? And especially... Yeah, that's tough because there's so many of them, I feel. Um, I would say that someone that has been... There's two women that have been my most inspirational women in the last few years, um, especially from being a student leader. Uh, One is Alona Cake Bush. Uh, She is uh, someone that has always taken on some of the greatest challenges in in health and global health, especially with the health and all policies movement. And so, so for people who might not know her, she's at the Geneva Institute, right? Yeah, the, yeah she's the director of the Graduate Institute, um, uh, particularly the Global Health Program. Okay. Um, she has a background um, on health promotion, working in health and all policies. Mm-hmm. And long her, WHO career. Yeah, long WHO career. And her focus now is global health diplomacy, um, is a oh, okay. core, core aspect of where she's really bringing that connection between foreign affairs and global health, which is really key. And, and she put together she kind of initiated this list the twitter list yes. women in global yes. health she's a patron a, yeah. yeah and and she's advi- she's been advising us um many times at conversations kind of give us a nudge to 
you know, go forward. And I've, um, I worked with her on other events when I was a student leader and we had many jokes at a lot of conferences. Sorry, Alona, I'm saying this, <laughs> but we would make comments about, Oh, another male panel. Oh, only one woman up there and we need to change this. And we, for almost two years kept saying, we need to change this to each other in global events. So she's someone that, um, uh, definitely brought the conversation to the forefront mm-hmm. um, and it reached um, across generations and the way that she's works and her approach of always regardless of who you are she's very approachable and supports ideas so she's someone that I would say is uh, very inspirational the second person um, that is as equally inspirational as Lola Dar. Um, she's executive director of Chestrad, which is um, an NGO that represents the Global South voice okay. and global health. And what I like about Lola is she always keeps it real. <laughs> and um, she has been a champion for us, opening doors, um, linking us to all the possibilities and very visionary and Whenever I feel like something's impossible, I talk to Lola and she's like energized and ready to go ahead and say, we can do this. Um, So I think those are the two, which is really hard to select because there's so many, (laughs) but I'm going to hand it over to Katie before I keep talking. Yeah. What do you think, Katie? I don't know. It's hard. I'm trying to think of people that I, so obviously, I mean, Lola is is great and and so is Ilona, so I can't repeat those two. Um, I have uh, I work right now for someone named Jessica Everts, who's the director of uh, CFHI, and she's fantastic. Um, I've been so fortunate in my life to have these women that have been in, in positions uh, to be able to be a role model and to help me out and, and show me around. And Jessica Everett has been really great at bringing me into conversations. So I would say she's one of my, my role models at the moment. Um, second role model. I don't know. I don't know. You can't just give one. I, mean, I can't just give yeah. one? Yeah. <laughs> I would, I'll say, I'll say um, the director of IS Global, Nuria Casimachana in Spain, okay. has been another one of these people that has brought me into conversations. And she is just one of these, uh, I don't know when she sleeps, kind of females. And she's such a great advocate for, I think um, she has a nursing background. Um, you know, she's really just such a, a force and she's really such an advocate for education and training opportunities and a very big advocate for including you know the global south in conversations mm-hmm. um, because of her Spanish uh, background you know the Latin America is 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 there and, and left out of a lot of conversations right. so I really respect her um, these two women are involved in global health education and curriculum development competencies mm-hmm. talk along those lines which is my field so um, they've been really great mentors I think to look up to. And I, and I have to give a shout out to someone else. <laughs> like I said, I can keep going on. But it, another aspect, um, there's also a lot of peer to peer or people that are very close to yes. uh, our stage. And uh, there's uh, Vina Hulam, who is, uh, uh, is responsible for the global health um, aspect of uh, the American Public Health Association. And from the very beginning, the first conversation we had with her in she was there in Geneva at the World Health Assembly, um, always a supporter, introducing us to many people. And her background is um, in leadership and deconstructing and reconstructing leadership. So a lot of her dialogue on this has shaped how we think about um, leadership. And she's definitely opened up um, many doors and opportunities for young people in the United States and global health. Good shout out. Yeah. Uh, so for the women who are early in their career listening to this, um, I mean, you guys have obviously connected with some like really exceptional women. What are you, what's your advice for how to do that? 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes, and I was going to look at you first, Katie, because I know you, you're the career oh, development guru. Right? Right? I'm going to give a talk, like yes. uh, two talks actually in a row, both on careers in the next two days in Montreal. Oh. Um, a conference I'm running about global health, student young professional involvement, and then doing the career thing, and I always wear the, the hat. Yes. So I think, Killing it. Killing uh, it. I, think it. I think it's just <laughs> everyone has so much fear and uptightness about these women, and we named these women, and they're all so approachable. Like You would not believe it. They're the nicest people. And I think there's a lot of... Um, fear or a lot of lack of confidence in, in, young, in young leaders in general and then young female leaders especially to not approach people. And I think it's so easy to send an email. It takes five minutes. And the worst thing that you can do is that someone doesn't answer you and then you forget you sent it and your feelings aren't hurt. So just reach out <laughs> yeah, to these people, yeah. engage them in conversation, say, I like what you said in that, have an opinion, have something to offer them, a discussion point or something. And I think, like, I'm a networking person and I've always advocated for that. And global health is a really good field to network in because it's yeah. so malleable. I feel like it's like Play-Doh. You can kind of do whatever you want with global health. So I think that it's really, you know, in that mindset, people involved in global health are approachable, malleable, flexible people. So and, I'd say reach out. Yeah, and definitely. I think, and the word I often use is stockings. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm spilling the secrets here. Yeah, virtual we'll, stockings. Yeah, be nice. yeah, yeah. It's to be exact. It's virtual stockings. So um, a lot of a lot of uh, women leaders have Twitter and yes, and. Twitter. I mean, the conversations on Twitter that are simultaneously happening at global health events, I mean, just beginning a conversation virtually makes it so much easier to just say, I really liked your point. I'm actually working on this area. I want to get involved. How can I connect with you? And I have met so many people <laughs> through that uh, that I call it virtual stalking that, you know, just find the people online that you really want to connect with, get to know what their thoughts are. And if it aligns with things that you want to do, then it is a meaningful um, reach. And, and through that, it's also people that I didn't necessarily know, but if they were into the topic, then they became someone I wanted to connect with yeah. as well. So I say, I would also say that it's not just the most, um, in, yeah, like famous leaders, but people that are working in your area of interest that makes the most sense and you get, and you gain so much from that. Yeah. I'm going to say my best piece of advice I ever had was from my global health mentor. And he said, put yourself in front of important people in your field. Mm. And then once you do that, you have to be able to offer them something. So ask them a project they're involved in or stalk them and know what project they're involved in. You know, ask them, you know, say, oh, I read your piece on that. And it was interesting how you approach this subject. You have to give them something because what is really difficult to do is um, have someone approach you and say, hey, can you mentor me? Yeah. <laughs> Um, sure. What do you do? So put yourself, find the people that are important in your field. Put yourself in front of them, i.e. a conference, through a Twitter conversation, write an email, and then give them something. Give them something to talk to you about. Give them an opportunity. Ask for an opportunity. Um, or give them an opinion. Like, you know, giving them something can still be a discussion. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big believer in, I mean, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's networking, anything, you always have to set um, the people that you're working with in whatever capacity that is up for success. Yes. Like that is the key to That's, success, yeah. making the people around you successful. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just like that with mentors, you know, give yeah. them the structure and whatever. And that it takes time to learn, but I think that's that's really good yeah. advice. Yeah, and I think building on that, like really sharing your success with everyone and creating opportunities, that's like a core 
way of how we work in our team. It's like, okay, how can all of us wear we multiple, di- yeah, all these different hats. So I was like, oh, I know so-and-so connect with this. And, and the same thing with mentors, they are looking for opportunities to also engage in that way. And um, we noticed that with the uh, panels that we're hosting, many of the people in our panels we've had conversations with. So we actually um, are inviting them based on that and not just, uh, yeah. you know, r- reaching out, you know, just yeah. randomly. But I think that Again, sharing opportunities with everyone also builds relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah very true. Um, well, we've kind of reached the end of our time. Is there anything else we should have chatted about? Or I feel like we hit on a lot. We did, yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot more to come. Uh, I, we are yes. just starting, yeah. and we really would love to work with people that have different ideas, bring whatever that you've can contribute to really achieving uh, gender equity and global health leadership, we want to work with you. Yeah. Um, and we're in that early stage, and we love meeting people and collaborating, so that's uh, more to come this spring. <laughs> yeah, it's, I've, I've said it over and over again, the, the climate is so ready for this right now. The SDG number five with gender equity, every, literally everyone we speak to is excited about this and mm-hmm. wants it to happen. And I think, not in a, in a mean way, but I think everyone wanted this to happen, and no one was willing to get in the center and get into the ring and do this. And the four of us decided, you know, we're not going to sleep and that's fine. So, <laughs> so we're going to do this and we'll be the, sh- we'll lead the way and we want everyone involved and we want uh, everyone to, to take advantage of the fact that this is the time for, you know, global health to say, listen, we realize we have a great massive network of talented individual females and we want to bring them out yeah. into the discussion, into the air. Yeah. And the, and the one, one way that you can do that, just bring the dialogue locally, um, We've to connect with people, and they're like, "Oh, we're going to host a conversation on campus. We're going to host a conversation, a luncheon about this topic." So I think if you can, um, the the most valuable thing is just beginning that conversation, and that's what the theme of this year for us is. Mm. Getting the conversation started. Well, good, and I'm glad you decided to include me in the conversation as well. Thank you for it. Was good. Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. Um, And I guess we can stop there. That was fun. Yeah. Thank you for reaching out on Twitter. Well, that's it for this episode of Pangea. And if you enjoyed this and you're not yet a subscriber, I hope you will subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. There's going to be a lot more to come over uh, the coming weeks and months. And uh, the best way to keep track of it all is to sign up for the newsletter. If you go to Pangea Global, P-A-N-G-E-A Global dot C-O, you can sign up for the newsletter right there. It's quick, it's easy, and that way you can get updates about the podcast, about future online conferences, about webinars, and other exciting stuff. And uh, if you have any friends or colleagues that might be interested, I'd appreciate them if you mention Pangea as well. So thank you, and I'll see you on the next episode.